you are listening to Poldark Fancast, a podcast about Poldark created by us. My name's Michelle. I live in the States. You can find me on Tumblr at Poldark Muses, and I tweet at Musings. And my name is Rita. I live in England. I Tumblr at Princess of Poldark, and I tweet at Rita Bites. And welcome back to another quarantine minisode. We're here every week during this endless lockdown with a new mini-sized podcast to listen to. This week we watched the 1995 adaptation of Persuasion. But before we tell you what we thought, let's learn a bit more about it in our Wikipedia corner. Yes. Yes, yes. Uh, Persuasion is a... 1995 period drama film directed by Roger Mitchell and based on Jane Austen's 1817 novel of the same name. Amanda Root stars as protagonist Anne Elliot while we still haven't found out how to pronounce his name. Maybe Siren or maybe Kieran? Or it's maybe... Kieran. It's, it's Kieran. Kieran. Okay. Yes, I looked it up. It's uh, Kieran Hines. Oh, my instinct last week was correct. I love it when mm-hmm. that happens. Uh, okay. <laughs> Kieran Hind plays Captain Frederick Wentworth. The film is set in 19th century England eight years after Anne was persuaded by others to reject Wentworth's proposed love marriage. Uh, the film was shot in chronological order, allowing the actress to portray Anne's development from being downtrodden to happy and blossoming. While directing, he avoided what he felt was the polished, artificial feel of other 19th century depictions and discouraged his actors from wearing makeup or appearing too hygienic. (laughs) Costume designer Alexandra Byrne produced clothing that appeared lived in, winning a BAFTA for her efforts. Persuasion was filmed during a period of popularity for Austin's works. It was one of six adaptations of her novels produced during the mid-90s. The film originally aired on the 16th of April, 1995, when it broadcast on BBC Two. BBC One! BBC Two! I'm sorry, I I see that and I can't help but do that. Uh, uh, Sony Pictures Classics released the film in American cinemas on the 27th of September, 1995 as Austin's increasing popularity became apparent to Hollywood. Persuasion's cinematic release attracted the attention of film critics, and it received generally positive reviews, with many praising Root's performance. When reviewing, film critics often compared the respective adaptations of Persuasion and Sensibility, as they were both released around the same time. Emma Thompson's film received more recognition and accolades from Hollywood, while Mitchell's production gained the admiration of upmarket critics, I mean, what does that mean? Uh, Who felt it was a more authentic and thoughtful representation of Austen's world. Janet Maslin of the New York Times, for instance, wrote that Sense and Sensibility can't match the brilliant incisiveness of the more Spartan persuasion, still the most thoughtful new Austen adaptation. The Los Angeles Times characterised Persuasion as the most authentically British version and the one closest to the spirit of the novels. Sense and Sensibility was the audience-friendly Hollywood version of Austen, easygoing and aiming to please. Time magazine named them both the best films of 1995, referring to Persuasion as reserved and Sense and Sensibility as more bustling. Hickson 
when analysing both productions, felt persuasion captured a sense of gritty realism that would influence such later Austen adaptations as Mansfield Park in 1999 and Becoming Jane in 2007, which is not an Austen adaptation. It's basically fanfic, but... <laughs> yeah, but it was still awesome. Stylistically, I do understand what they're saying. Um, so yeah, uh, how familiar are you with Persuasion? And which other other adaptations have you seen? Oh my gosh. Um, very familiar with um, Persuasion. Um, it's probably... It is probably my favorite Austen... Uh, novel um, and I read the novel after I'd seen this version of Persuasion and this was the second um, Austin uh, I'll, I'll call it true Austin adaptation um, you know I'd seen Clueless I don't know how many times but um, I would go down I'd the record and say that Clueless is one of the better Austin adaptation. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that movie. Yes. Yes. I, I love that movie. Um, as if, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> plus it's got Paul Rudd in it. So, you know, hell, hello. hello. Um, mm-hmm. so, um, but I didn't read any of Austin's novels until after our very favorite Pride and Prejudice um, was released. I, I was a late bloomer to her novels. Um, but man, as soon as that happened, I was devouring everything I could possibly find in sight. And Persuasion was the second of her novels that I read. Um, this is the only adaptation I've seen of uh, an older adaptation I've seen of Persuasion. Um, the newer one um, I've seen uh, countless times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mr. Penry Jones. Hmm. Uh. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, he was one of the reasons why it was so, I mean, the great British uh, baking show, uh, you know, back when it was done on BBC, um, was always a favorite show and I love the fact that he narrated <laughs> a lot of the episodes and I was like oh I miss the oh. little historical bits they did in between the the baking yeah yeah I do too so I have always sort of been reading Jane Austen novels since I was like literally a child which is uh disturbing um so i ob- mm-hmm. uh, my sort of origins with this is that i read the book i think when i was about 14 and then the new persuasion came out i think it's i think it's 2007 that that came out so by that point i had read the book and then i watched that and i was like oh so dreamy um and i'd never seen this version even though i've heard mm-hmm. so much about it um it's very hard to get a copy of it, actually. Um, really? Yeah, it's not available for rent anywhere in the UK, and I can't seem to find it on any streaming platforms. I was just like, eh. I may what? have had to do some dodgy things to get a copy of this. but uh, Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, thank you for your dedication. Mm. 
Um, <laughs> I've long sort of um, heard it sort of touted as starting the sort of gritty, realistic version of Jane Austen that I, 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 that I prefer those sort of adaptations to the stuff we were talking about. Though, you know, I think... Sense and Sensibility is pretty good. I don't know why they're like, ah, dissing it. America. Mm-hmm. Like, they're two different works. Um, anyway. Um, so I'd, like, often thought, oh, I should watch it. It sounds like something I would like. And yet, uh, it's been pretty hard to find a watch. Which is annoying. What did you think? Um, I have a love for a lot of the first part of the movie I was like oh pleasantly like enjoying myself going along and then I think the ending was sort of rubbish I made the mistake in the, <laughs> of what of reading the book well listening to the book on um audible before watching it last night okay so I like all of the differences from the book was like really glaringly obvious and fresh in my mind and I shouldn't have done it I shouldn't have done it Michelle <laughs> but, I, oh, but I kept thinking I, I think I might have noticed anyway because persuasion is one of the novels that I've reread the most anyway um uh-huh. but mostly I was like oh this is so close to the novel I really enjoy it and I love all of the I love the feel of it and how natural mm-hmm. everything is and the sets are all amazing everything is done on location and that's mm-hmm. fabulous um but by the time they got to around Bath it kind of felt like oh quick quick we have to end this now <laughs> and they took a lot of shortcuts at the towards the end that I uh, uh-huh. I find kind of annoying um I but I don't know really if like that is the film's fault because it is a film and they do have to do those kinds of things. Um Yeah. I would have preferred it to be a mini series. <laughs> you know I love a mini series. <laughs> I know you do. I know you do. You know, maybe um have you know like part one um all of the scenes prior to bath and then part two be bath. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but, um, I, I love this. Um, I love this adaptation. Um, uh, it is the second, uh, adaptation that I purchased on DVD. Um, yeah. And I discovered the same thing too. I was going to, you know, take shortcut and like, let's just go to streaming and, you know, I'll find it there and can watch it there instead of having to drag out my, um, DVD. my DVD and yeah, no, that didn't work. So, um, I wound up, uh, going downstairs and rummaging through the DVDs. Uh, we moved the TV room, uh, cause we needed to turn one of the uh, bedrooms, uh, that we have back into a bedroom. And so we moved the TV and all that stuff downstairs to the living room. And I haven't had a chance to go through and resort the DVDs. I, I mean, you'd think during this, you know, mm-hmm. day 572 of the lockdown, uh, that I would have had time, but, uh, no. So, uh, dug through and I was like, Oh God, please, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And found it and was just rejoicing. Um, so it was, it was a delight 
to go back and, and watch this. It had been a while since I'd seen it. And uh, I, I, I love this. I love this one. I love this one so much. What were your favorite uh, characters or performances? Um, I know he's uh, like resolutely hated <laughs> in the, the books, but um, Anne's father, Anne's father um, is, is always a favorite of mine because he's just such an ass. <laughs> <laughs> he's just such an narcissistic ass. Um, and, you know, the, the two versions, uh, two favorite versions of the adaptation, um, this and then the Penry Jones one. Um, Anthony Head! Ah! Yes! Yes! I I'm love like, it. Giles, what are you so doing? <laughs> I love him so much! I mean, you know, huge Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And, uh, so it was, and, and then of course the, what was it? Was it Maxwell House coffee? I think there were some Maxwell House, Maxwell House coffee commercials where I think it's, he, it's Nescafe in, uh, is it Nescafe? It's, it's one of those. In the UK um, it's Nescafe. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> the, the, the coffee commercials, um, that were just so delightful. I was like, oh, um, <laughs> but, um. Anyhow, yeah, Anne's father is a absolute favorite of mine. Um, I love both Anne and Wentworth, of course. Um, can't stand Anne's sister. Um, yeah, she makes me crazy. And I love Mary because Mary's just such a bag of nerves. Um, I ended up looking up who that actress was because I like really loved that performance. Mm -hmm. I was like, I want to watch her in more things, but she she hasn't really appeared in that much. Um, depressingly enough, give her more work. <laughs> but yes, she was she was great. She was great. Um, love it. How about you? I was actually really pleasantly surprised by how much I loved the Anne mm -hmm. Elliot character in this. There yeah. are a few. Uh, changes to her character which I will talk about later um, but she was incredibly good at being like meek but also clearly interesting to everybody in the room mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite scenes was when um, everyone was bitching to her about like all the different yes. problems of their family and she's just <laughs> sitting there like, like, slowly um... getting more and more annoyed with everybody <laughs> It's like, yes, I'm supposed to be the one that solves all the problems, you know, and, oh, yeah. Um, Amanda Root is an absolute treasure. Um, she did such a great job with uh, the role as Anne that when the newer version came out, I wasn't sure whether or not I was going to be ready to see um, another Anne, but was really happy on, on that one as well. Um, can't really go wrong with Sally Hawkins. No, you know? <laughs> no, you can't. You know, um, but uh, yeah, uh, Amanda Root I thought was great. I love Kieran Hines. I really do. This was this was uh, one of the movies where you know I'd seen him in a couple of things prior to that, but I just fell in love with his performance. Uh, as Wentworth, and 
I remember when uh, they were doing the casting for Deathly Hallows uh, for Harry Potter, and I heard that he was going to be playing um, uh, Dumbledore's brother. Uh, I was so excited. And that was what, him. That oh was my him. God. That was him. <laughs> of course, everyone's been in the Harry Potter movies of in course, England. <laughs> of course, but yeah, that was him. I, you know, he had to act through a lot of prosthetics to you know try and get him to resemble um, uh, Albus. But uh, uh, I I thought he did a great job. I, I could have I would have loved to see more of him in that, but yeah, I I, I love uh, Heinz's Wentworth. I feel differently, but we'll talk about this later. Um, <laughs> I, I know think he's I, not I, as young as as he as he should have been in the books. Yeah, he's 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 really not. He's uh... <laughs> he's forty one, I think, because I okay. looked it up. I knew this would come I, up. I was gonna I was getting ready to fight you on that. Um, but then I was like, oh, no, I can't fight. I can't, I can't win this one. You can't win this argument. When I was reading the book, um, I found a quote that said he looked exactly the same as when she last saw him when he was 23. Does this man look 23 to you? (laughs) I mean, I get what they were going for when they're going for realism. They're going to pick somebody who looks like well-traveled and like Mm -hmm. who's been in the sunshine. And I quite liked that he was so tanned. Mm -hmm. Um, But... (sighs) It doesn't. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, in that res- that is one thing that I think um, it's not just a failure of this film. For some reason, in the nineties, they were just like, "Yeah, let's cast 13, 40 year olds to play these roles." <laughs> yeah, I mean, how old? How old was um, his name? Just flew out of my head. How old were Darcy and um, Lizzie in the Pride and Prejudice adaptation from the nineties? Uh, Colin Firth. I don't Colin know, but Firth, yes. so like Lizzie is supposed to be twenty. I don't yeah. think you can. And I think um, Darcy's like in his mid twenties. He's maybe like twenty eight, twenty nine at most. Mm-hmm. And I would say Colin Firth is kind of pushing it. <laughs> not <laughs> yeah. just not just because like in the age, but also in how they style them as well. Um, yeah. And I think one thing I really want to point out. It was so awkward watching the scenes where Captain Wentworth was flirting with the oh, younger yeah. Musgroves. Like when yes. he was in scenes with Louisa and he's catching her, I was like, it's like he's her dad. The, the, the <laughs> age disparity is so intense that it makes me really uncomfortable the thought that he might have been pursuing her. It's just <laughs> gross. <laughs> Oh God! No, I I hear you. I um, hear you. But I did notice that one of the I think either Louisa or Henrietta. I think maybe Hen is Henrietta the one that marries the what's it played by uh, um Hater Henry Hater yes um played by an actress that's been in like loads of um period dramas that I really like. She's most recently she played the Queen Mother in The Crown. Uh huh. And I was like, how is it that in my lifetime she has gone from playing <laughs> a teenage girl to the queen mother? <laughs> uh, that doesn't seem right. 
<laughs> Women are really shoved aside before men. Okay, you can play a grandmother now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's like, I, I'm not that old. Thank you very much. <sighs> Uh, you know the lady that plays Mrs. Croft. Uh, her name is Fiona Shaw. Yes, um, she, oh, yes. she's for, I loved her in Killing Eve, but she was also in Fleabag recently, um, season two. She plays the counselor, and whenever I see her, I'm like, feel I feel like so relaxed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she just mm-hmm. has one of those calming, like maternal wise uh, <laughs> presence so whenever I saw her in her little turban and her her <laughs> ridiculous like lady who's travelled outfits I was just like yes, yes come back to me <laughs> well of, of course um, uh, Shaw was also in the Harry Potter movies <laughs> of course um, <laughs> Uh, in a role completely opposite of what you're describing <laughs> as uh, Mrs. Dursley. Um, and um, that was my first experience um, with her. Uh, well, no, this movie was my first experience with her. And then um, saw her in the Harry Potter movies and was just like, oh, 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 oh. Wow, you're you're good. <laughs> she is everything. I want her to be yes. in like more stuff. Um, oh, she's fantastic. fantastic. Just like generally, the whole cast was pretty fantastic and spot onto the descriptions of the book, except for Captain Frederick. <laughs> and like he's the outlier. There, they were like, we could go with somebody that's the right age, but uh, bugger that. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> oh goodness! Um, so I liked everything at Lime. I thought that was beautiful. Um, very sunny though. That's supposed to be happening right before Christmas. I just want to point that out. Uh, well, there were there were some moments where it was like rainy. I mean, yeah, but that is an English summer for you, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I really like like that those scenes had such a contrast between the different stations, like uh, in terms yes. of social class. You you got yes. the the admirals clearly like moving up into society. I think that's another thing that a lot of the nineties adaptations didn't have, which was like a clear grasp on what Jane Austen was doing in terms of social classes and the moving through different society this is ju- this is mm-hmm. a novel that is about like the middle class class rising up and like taking the property from the aristocracy um yeah. and all of the maneuvering uh that mr elliot does to try and retain his title is really important oh yeah um yeah which is kind of an okay this is like what we were going to talk about later but i'm going to bring it up now um by um they completely changed the Mr. Elliot character um yeah by removing the backstory with the Mrs. Smith she's now just a gossipy yeah sick lady by making his entire thing come down to oh well he's poor now he lost all of his money mm-hmm. in the novel that doesn't happen um he is incredibly wealthy but 
he has come to understand the importance of his title as he has grown older. I think that is important because while she's talking about like society shifting towards the middle class and people moving up in status, um, it's important to know that there is still privilege with this title. Even Sir Walter, who goes to Bath, is basically able to live as a king and live off the capital of his title. Yes. Um, And that is still incredibly important here. Like, it's not being completely eroded. This film kind of makes it out to be as if, well, he just wants the money, and that's why he's scheming. And then it completely sort of undoes all the good work that it's doing by showing us all these different social statuses, like living close together. So it's it's like a mixed message. I'm like, you did so well, and then you fumbled it at the last second. I'm like, why did you set up all this good work just to be like, oh yeah, he's poor now. What yeah. what was that for? I can't even remember what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was asking about like favorite characters or performances because we talked about favorite characters and hadn't touched on, you know, some of the performances that uh, per se. Well, thing that, that I quite liked the Mister Elliot performance because I think he he does he he's he's there to be a contrast to Captain Wentworth and he was incredibly like performative in the sense that he said all the right things but it mm-hmm. never felt genuine and I think that it's actually a sort of a better performance than in the 2007 version the 2007 version was everyone's favourite third man in a triangle, Tobias Menzies <laughs> yes <laughs> god I love him yeah. <laughs> Um, but <clears throat> yeah, I think the, the actor who winds up, um, playing, uh, William Elliot, uh, Samuel West is one of my, another one of my favorite, um, British character actors. Um, okay. I finally did the smart thing and just pulled up the cast on Google. So I would, <laughs> uh, uh, be able to pull names out of the air, um, in, instead of going, uh, oh, you know, the person that did this you know that person that's in the thing um the guy that plays um sir walter uh corin redgrave well he's a redgrave gotta be i was gonna say he's gotta be part of that amazing family um not sure which one uh he is but um yeah he god i loved him he was third generation of a theatrical dynasty spanning four generations i know his parents were sir michael redgrave and rachel kempson vanessa (laughs) and lynn redgrave were his sisters oh good god so he's the less famous (laughs) he's the less famous of the redgraves yeah (laughs) still great uh, but yeah oh he was so good he was so good and uh, um, Admiral Croft was like, oh, so wholesome. Every time he was talking mm-hmm. to Anne, I was just like, oh, you're like Santa Claus was, in a person. He's just so sweet. Yes. So sweet. Um, loved the uh, Darwimples. <laughs> oh, God. No, they were so, they looked so, you know how. <laughs> Underwhelmed? Um, well, here's the thing, uh, you know, when you have. Uh, dogs Um, (laughs) and you know you're looking at purebred dogs and you know 
getting at. You look at the uh, like a purebred breed from like the twenties, for example, and then you look at at them now, and you look at the difference in the standards that have happened over you know those years. Um, <laughs> they just looked really kind of sickly and very much there had been way too much inbreeding (laughs) and so that they just did not look well (laughs) they did not look well i love that they never actually said any lines in the entire movie they're completely silent i kept waiting Mm -hmm. for one of them to say something and it was just (laughs) nope they didn't have to say or do anything. They just entered the room yep. and then everyone followed them. It was creepy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, um, yeah, let's see. Looking at some of the other characters. Um, oh, the guy that played Captain Harville. Uh, another uh, Robert Glen- Glen- Glenster? Glenister? I think. Yeah, is how you say his last name. Uh, another great character actor that I've seen. And I mean, I just look at the whole line of the, the cast members and it's like, yep, 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 yep. I didn't yep. really like Captain Benwick, though. Um, th- that ben- performance no. was weird. He was he was really super dour. I thought, like, he doesn't seem like he's ever picked up a poem. <laughs> 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 um, he's not really like the romantic poet type. Yeah. Yeah, that was a weird choice. But uh anyhow, um I think for me um aside from uh some of the characters that I've already um mentioned, um I loved the interaction that Anne had with uh, her friend uh, Mrs. Smith and the nurse. I thought they were lovely. I mean, that changed too much for the books. For me. I was literally like, "What the fuck? What the fuck?" <laughs> I was like, uh, just by the time that scene was happening, I think it was preceded by a scene where he comes into the pump room in Bath and is like, "Hey, are you going to marry Mr. Elliot?" And I was like, "What the?" you're not allowed to say that that is supposed to be (laughs) under the surface why is this happening on screen um yeah so that was i was just like irate by that point in the film (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh it's a bit disturbing Um, when people actually say what they think (laughs) um let's see how about um Anything you, well, we've we've already started talking about uh, anything that that you didn't like. Um, uh, I'll just say, go on. <laughs> uh, anything else that you didn't like? I don't find Captain Wentworth attractive, and I think that's like obviously very subjective and personal. Um, but mm-hmm. like. What I I've always struggled with the character of Wentworth because he's such a dick for so much of the novel, and then like yeah. he's amazing in the last two chapters, and yeah. I think yeah. on a very personal and shallow level, I have to find him hot to forgive him for the first like forty five minutes of the <laughs> novel, because this is a guy that literally comes in the room, sees her, and is like, mm, 
I wouldn't have known her. She's so altered. I'm like, I resent that so intensely that I uh, I carry that for the yeah. rest of the film. And if I also think, dude, look in a mirror, you're not exactly yeah. a spring chicken yourself. Um, <laughs> it's, I struggle. <laughs> and I don't have that problem um, with the newer adaptation so i just think <laughs> but then, like i know that that is a sort of just like personal opinion um it's not really like mm-hmm. a failing of the film that's just me um i think it's also just part of the character as well he's like a, he's being horrible <laughs> so... oh yeah he's he's a horrible person um in the first uh portion of the book um, you know, before we start to see his change. Although I will say the, <laughs> in the modern version, um, the scene where they are riding back from Lyme and Wentworth kind of looks at Anne, you know, through the carriage window, uh, cause he's riding a horse. Uh, there's a look that he gives her that is just like, <laughs> oh, dude! Seriously, like it, there's like this this massive look of disdain, and you know you're thinking to yourself, you know this is supposed to be the turning point for him, <laughs> <laughs> and you know okay maybe he's struggling with you know at that point he's uh, beginning to struggle with the fact that you know, of the the tremendous hurt that he um, endured after she refused him um, with this burgeoning, uh, you know, respect and rediscovery of her. So, okay, maybe I'll forgive him for one look of, of disdain, but you know the one I'm talking yeah. about. <laughs> yeah, you know that look. It's just like, oh, damn, that was like epic levels of shade right there. <laughs> um but um, I think the I I love Heinz, so I I can't help it. Um, and I think he was striking out um, at her, um, and I think a lot of the comments that he was making in the early part of the movie. Um, I think I've kind of managed to convince myself that, you know, when he encounters her again, um, it is devastating for him. You know, he's, he has spent all of this time, you know, away at sea, you know, trying to forget her, um, you know, as we come to learn in the letter that he writes. Um, and, I kind of, I guess I kind of picture and and picture in him his performance of just this incredibly wounded animal that is encountering the thing that had caused him so much pain and he's being um, overtly horrible and hurtful because, you know, he's that lion with the the thorn in his paw. Um, And uh, so... I think that that by the time we get to the point where he 
is clearly, um, he's clearly re-engaging with her um, that I've, I've kind of forgiven him at that point because you can see that, that, you know, here he has, uh, he, you know, he may have another opportunity uh, for happiness. Um, and he's able to see that, that she is, you know, she is warm to him, that she is, she is uh, still available and open to um, re-engaging with him as well, which is why, you know, learning the, the rumors of Mr. Elliot's pursuit of Anne and the rumored uh, acceptance of his um, pursuit by Anne, you see him revert back to this pained human being again. But he, there's a, there is such a desperation in that moment when he talks about, <clears throat> um, you know, his admiral, you know, being prepared to give up the, the lease, you know, so that Anne can go and marry Mr. Elliot and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, you, you just see him <laughs> just like, I, I have to deliver this this word and every single word of it is ripping out a piece of my soul. But um, I think that's why that scene uh, annoys the shit out of me. It's because all of that <laughs> is supposed to be under the surface. It's like you're supposed uh -huh. you understand that from the performance. You don't need him to go up to her and, and, and say that because then by that point she would have worked out, oh, he's still into me. And she doesn't really need the letter to like. That's a moment where she's going, "Oh, he's misunderstood this." <laughs> it's yeah. like, why are we being hit with the same thing twice? And um, and I also just generally think that thing, things that are slightly more um, under the surface and subtle. Mm -hmm. Are just better because, like, towards the end of this film, we found like there were lots of like silly dramatic things, like the bit where he he goes into the room and he goes, "I have come to ask for Anne's hand in marriage in front of everyone." <laughs> um, <laughs> like, no, thank you. This is not Cinderella. Like, you don't need a moment where he sticks the glass slipper on her foot. Like, just have things be. <laughs> more realistic like you've done oh. you've put all this effort into creating this like naturalism and realistic situation and then in the end it's just like uh, why why just uh. stick her on the boat that was a really cute scene i like that it ended with her traveling um yes but it felt like there were like four or five different endings before we got to the end <laughs> Oh, I I thought that when he walked in and and you know proclaimed that he was asking for her hand in marriage, that it was a it was a moment where he was able to go, huh, booyah, <laughs> to all of these people that had uh, found him so um, Un unworthy of her, so so unworthy of of her and and wanting. Um, that, you know, he was able to, you know, go in and say, uh, yeah, 
I'm asking for her hand. She's already accepted. And, and it's like, go ahead and try to persuade her again. I guarantee that you're not going to get the same response as you did, you know, seven, eight years ago. But by contrast, in the book, he does not do that. Instead, they have this really lovely scene at that party where he basically comes to terms with the fact that Anne basically reflects on her decisions and goes like, no, I was right to refuse you and to take advice from somebody who I considered a parent and who gave me quite reasonable and sound advice. And I took it that, like, that was not wrong of me. And I don't feel guilty about that. And then he goes, well, yeah, okay, that's reasonable. Um, I guess I kind of resent the people that gave you that advice, but I don't resent you for taking it anymore. And then they both mm. sort of go, well, maybe you should have written to me when you came back three years later, <laughs> and maybe we could have seen something that happens. And then he's like, oh my god, I should have done that. And they bo both <laughs> sort of come to terms with it together and go, oh, we could have been together much sooner if you hadn't been so prideful, and if I hadn't been, like, morose. <laughs> um, and I think th that's just more t touching to me because I sort of see it as two people coming together, both admitting their mistakes and and, mm -hmm. and coming to terms with the fact that I think at the start of the novel, she's really depressed because she sees this as like some huge mistake that she's made, that she's ruined her own life. And at the end mm -hmm. of the novel, she has enough self-worth to see that actually she did make the right decision for herself at that time. Mm -hmm. And I think it's more important for her as a person to sort of grow and also come into this relationship as an equal than to sort of beat herself up about it and, oh, well, Wentworth was right all along and boo, he wins. And it's, it's like by doing that, <laughs> you make it more about him than it is about her growth. And that's annoying <laughs> to me. Oh, okay. I, all I'm saying is I would have liked to have been in the writer's room when they were making <laughs> this decision because I think it sort of undoes the work that Jane is trying to do in creating this Anne Elliot character who is one of the, her better heroines, if you ask me. Oh, absolutely. 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 <sighs> well, I think we need to just watch the modern adaptation now too. <laughs> you know what? I probably have a lot of problems with that as well, but I'm just sort of remembering it with Toe's uh, mm -hmm. glinted um, hot Captain Wentworth cast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All I'm saying for me personally, him being hot, like I, I, I know this is a shame and that I shouldn't do this, but I give hot people more slack. Cause I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, of course he's being a dick about how hot he is and how lame she looks. Look at him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a terrible person. Oh, well, I do think that we should watch that one because I think that would be fun to talk about too. Yes. Um, what would you give this film out of 10? I think you should go first. No. Oh. I, I, my, my answer is going to be pretty freaking obvious. So you go ahead. Step out there. Again, I really struggle with this. If you'd asked me when I was watching the first half of the movie I would have been like nine because I really really loved it and then the ending sort of fell apart and I was confused and angry and hurt like I felt <laughs> like the film had betrayed me um <laughs> by undoing all of my trust so like I've got to sort of 
pause through that, which is why I wanted you to go first. Well, all right. I'm I'm giving it um I'm giving it an eight out of ten. Okay. Happy. Yes, that's good. <laughs> I thought you would go higher. Um, I just don't want to feel guilty for giving it the inevitable six that I really that I'm going to give it a six because I think ultimately the endings of of stories are more important than the beginnings of them and you know if only this had been a bbc miniseries instead of a film they could have had more time and they might have stuck to the and elliot grows as a human being story that they started <laughs> instead of making it about her falling in love with a man who gets to win uh, i see i see i understand i, I understand and I hope all of our listeners understand and don't hate me because <laughs> I know they love this film. Oh, I think that you're going to be just fine. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the the reason I'm not giving it a nine is because of the parade. The weird circus parade. Yeah. It was a bit silly, the wasn't weird it? weird circus parade and the weird music in in that moment was just like... I know the circus is in town, but really? Was it in town? Um, like, was it ever mentioned yeah, before they, that scene? Been, <laughs> I think there had been a mention of it. Um, but um, I will say that I liked the way that resolved better than the oh, yeah. crazed run-through bath that we get in why doesn't she just go for a walk like she does in the novels <laughs> she just walks home like <laughs> yeah i mean it, it's like the, the crazed run through bath um that just annoyed the ever-living f out of me but we'll get into that when we watch the movie but okay my one thought with that is at least she is being proactive in that scene rather than <laughs> just like in this one she just walks out the front door and he's there and uh he gets to claim his prize oh, oh. i think that is like also one of the failings of having a male director as well he's not really wise to these kinds of cues that we pick up as women that have like Oh, this is a story about a woman that has suddenly been skewed into hit about a man winning the prize he's been wanting for ten years. Um, get more female directors to direct Jane Austen novels. That's my. That would be awesome. That would be. That would ideal. be awesome. And please uh, adapt these over and over and over again because clearly there's an audience for it. Me. <laughs> yes. Give me all the Austin. My entire life. Uh, <laughs> yes. I want another Northanger Abbey more than anything. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyway, we have been talking for almost 50 minutes now, so we better end this episode. Oi. <laughs> That's all from this week's quote-unquote mini-episode. Uh, <laughs> we'll be back next week where we'll be discussing the superior Pride and Prejudice. And if you don't know which one that is, you have not been listening long enough. Uh, <laughs> if you have any other suggestions about what we should be watching after that, or you want to tell us that we were wrong, or me, uh then please get in contact. You can message us on our blog, email us at poldockfancast at gmail.com or find us on your social medias at poldockfancast. And as ever, 
do us a favour and rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening. Stay safe, stay at home if you can, and goodbye. Bye, guys.